Yeah, they're going to come in a bit later and I just sit down. Okay. We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Bi-weekly? Is that the correct word? (laughs) Yeah. Fortnightly to you? Bi-weekly sounds good to me. Yeah. this is a podcast we talk about news and politics, sex and religion when we're allowed to, and we haven't been cancelled by the Labor Party. More about that in a moment. I'm Trevor, aka the Iron Fist. With me, as always, Paul the Twelfth Man. Greetings, Earthlings. Shay the Subversive. <laughs> Hello. Jay the Tech Guy. Evening, all. Yeah. So we got lots on the agenda to talk about. We've got uh, Shay's had some interesting experience in the last week. I had some success with my little satanic uh, application. And there's a few other bits and pieces uh, that have happened. We've got lots to talk about. If you're in the chat room, say hello. Daniel already has. Hello, Daniel. So, um, so yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll see what rabbit holes we end up down. So, so um, Shay, anything interesting happened to you in the last <laughs> three or four days or anything yeah. like that? Do you want to- um, yeah, like I remember way back in... 2019 after the Liberal Party won the federal election. I remember Scott saying um, something along the lines of we've survived a conservative government before and we will again. And, like, for me personally, that just I barely, I've barely survived the Liberal Party in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I obviously lost my work as a flight attendant, scrambled for any work I could and then all this noise in the background about being on JobKeeper and being a doll bludger and all that stuff. So I was furious and I joined the Labor Party, went down there and agitated and then um, I got a real taste for it and I put in for pre-selection for the federal government uh, for the seat of Ryan, mostly because I wanted to get an aviation voice at federal level. Mm-hmm. So um, you fill in your eligibility questionnaire and you tell them who you are, what you're up to, what skills you can bring and anything they ought to know. And I had also come down here and mm. been on the podcast, so I just mentioned that in briefing. And then in the interview uh, they asked me about it and I said, you know, it's a, it's a podcast that promotes secularism. Mm. So uh, time went by, didn't hear mm. anything. And um, people were wondering what was going on. I was wondering what was going on. And then Saturday morning I get an email to say that um, they're willing to progress with my expression of interest for the seat of Ryan and go to a ballot. Great. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Hooray. (laughs) But? (laughs) But I have to never darken Trevor's doorstep again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I have to delete, or certainly Trevor has to delete, any remnants of my participation. Mm. And could that be done in the morning that they'd asked it to be done? And could that be done <laughs> ASAP? That's right, in the next hour or two. 
So, yeah. So, mm. I was like, wow. Mm. That's um, – I was a bit surprised. Mm. And um, I had come down here basically because I could see that this would be perfect practice for – for my um, political aspirations and mm. frankly if I can't um, debate topics with you fellas I haven't got much chance mm. in a political spectrum so I thought it would actually be good for my career mm. I was surprised yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but I understand the um, having to um, kind of like protect and things can be taken out of context and misused so Mm. Yeah, so I do understand that part of it, but I mm. decided not to proceed mm. uh, because I had wanted to be the kind of candidate who spoke up and stood up for the things I cared about. Mm. So this seemed to be not in line with that. I was yeah. really looking forward to announcing you as the candidate for Ryan. <laughs> 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 I'd like to also mention I did not have the numbers. Mm. There was no way I was going to win that ballot anyway. Mm. But, yeah, mm. and and the better candidate really mm. has been selected, definitely. Mm. Yeah, he's going to be great. Yes, because we are right at this moment in the seat of Ryan. Like That's I, right. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. So, uh, so, yeah, thoughts yeah. on that? Look, you know, when I do the Iron Fist Velvet Glove Secular Index and I have to Google our politicians and find out what their religion is and what comments they've made about secular issues. The thing that has struck me has been with particularly Labor politicians, a number of them do not appear on Google because they've never done anything in their lives. They, they're just not there. There's nothing on them. Wow. And they've just been in some sort of minister's office as an advisor and they've kept their head low and have not actually done anything in their lives to warrant an entry on the internet for anything. And wow. um, So, uh, you know, if you're going to start just weeding out people because they do things... Or uh, talk to people. Yes. <laughs> then you're just going to end up with these just... Uh, boring, vanilla people who've never done anything with yes. no experience and I just don't think that's the way to go. I mm. think it's uh, a way of getting candidates. We're going to talk later about the UK election and other stuff, um, but are, are crazy. And the thing is, wanting to cancel, wanting episodes that you've been in to be delisted and so that the public can't see them, mm. Honestly, last week's episode, where well, two weeks ago now, talking about meritocracy, the, the problems with the Labor Party and the left abandoning the working class, relying on education, like these are all super important concepts that anybody aspiring within the Labor Party should be able to understand, think about. Like it's valuable stuff to just say, oh, we don't want people listening to that. Like yeah. for good. Like, honestly, they should be listening as required homework to this yes. podcast. As I opposed found it to- really useful. I found mm. it really useful. Mm. Well, and also being on a podcast is good media training. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Being in front of a microphone, getting mm. used to talking in public. Yeah. And I just know myself with the interviews I've done for the Satanic uh, Noosa Temple of Satan uh, with a current affair and on the radio and other stuff, that having done this for six years now, it was re so much easier to just 
blurt things out off the top of my head because I'd said them five, six, seven times before, you end up having a routine spiel that you can rely on and you get comfortable. And and when you're comfortable, like anything in sport or something, when you're when you're comfortable and you've got that memory, muscle memory mm. operating, then in the back of your head you can be thinking more strategically about other things. You can be dealing mm. with that issue, but in the meantime, thinking of other issues at the same time. So so um, look, don't worry, Shay, we're gonna make you famous. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not bothered. I am really relieved. I am actually really relieved. Famous or infamous. So you were saying that maybe you've been uh, feeling that you're a little restrained in the lead up to this. I certainly have. I was, um, yeah, was considering how it would be heard all the time and I don't really know what people are looking for. So I was Mm. trying to be everything to everyone Mm. and um, just found it really really mm. exhausting and I was basically mm. often silent mm. as That's a result. That's an interesting comment that you yeah. felt like you needed to be everything to everyone. Yes. And I don't know about you guys but for me that is the kind of politician I least trust. Yes. 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 So somebody like uh, Tony Abbott for example, not my favourite Look, say what you like about Tony Abbott, and he did so many things wrong but at least he had his convictions about yes. his ideals and and you knew what he was about, and he stuck by them. That's right. For, he wasn't for, secretive for about what worse. he thought and what he and believed. He flip flop so right. much. He was and he committed. Wasn't shy about telling people what he really thought about things. Yes. Mm. So, um, so anyway, that, that was why people said they voted for the Donald, right? Yes. Well, at mm. least he spoke but, his mind. And the mm. same with Pauline. Yes, mm. indeed. Yes. They, they they value the honesty. Yes, mm. there would be a lot to that. So. So anyway, you're going to speak up and then in four years' time when you go for pre-selection again, you're just going to say there's too many episodes to get rid of. Exactly. You're just going to have to put up with it. That's right. There's no way you can get through it in time. Yeah. Or or they'll just cancel your pre-selection. Exactly. I won't even get that far. In fact, maybe after tonight I might be in more trouble. So Aaron in the chat room says, I'd vote for your show. And Bronwyn says she would as well. So, oh, and Don says, to us, you are a famous show. Oh, thank (laughs) you, everybody. They're not in in Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, we've got four years to work on your... uh, That's right, my ability to Mm. riff. Indeed. So so there we go. That's interesting. Mm. Um, So we'll see. What happens over time? Good and how did, how did you feel, Trevor? Because mm. I, obviously mm. you wouldn't have been enthused about the idea of mm. wiping certain episodes because Shay appeared in them. Uh, not enthused, but I actually did make the offer on the basis that it would be if you if you did actually get through and get free selection, <laughs> that uh, would have been really cool. That would have been really cool. <laughs> so uh, uh, so, and I also didn't want to make. I didn't want you to have an easy decision where you're thinking, oh, I'll just say no because I don't have a choice. So um, mm. so I did actually say, you know what, I'm prepared to put them on ice for a couple of months until this is all done and dusted and then see after that. And um, mm. just to really put the squeeze on, like personally, I think Shay should have just said, no, no. I'm a candidate and you can't do this under the rules and I'm just going to keep mm. doing this. Like that's personally what I think Shay so could have done. So it's not actually I don't know. in the rules? I don't know. I, well, they, well, I did ask them to provide me with party rules or such like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would require them to identify which particular episodes Indeed. and exactly what she said and the mm-hmm. things. And 
Mm. I don't think they've done that. So no, um, I was looking forward to Brother Samuel coming down mm. to um, uh, invest Shea in Parliament House. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how many Satanists are there in? In Parliament House. <laughs> none so far. <laughs> According to the Iron Fist Velvet Gloves Secular Index, there's none at this okay. stage. But um, So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Queen Deshay, the candidate, is a good candidate and she's going to work hard. She's an excellent and then, candidate. And we'll review in four years' time. So, That's right. But it is disappointing that, you know, if you are in the Ryan electorate and you've heard all the brouhaha about all this and you're thinking, what is this podcast about? Well, just... Have a listen to tonight's episode and go back into some of the other ones. And yes. in particular, the previous episode, fast forward to the bit about meritocracy. I think it's very worthwhile for anybody in the labour movement to listen to that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Unless mm. they, uh, they, they mm. think that you've got a racist mm. on the panel. I actually mm. said something mm. about the Chinese can go fuck themselves. And what I really <laughs> meant, <laughs> what I really meant to say, and, and you guys understood this, but some you know, random listeners might not. What mm. I really mm. meant to say was the Chinese Communist Party and that horrible corrupt government in Beijing can go fuck themselves. I did not yes. ever mean that to refer to the Chinese people as a whole. Well. Th- there's yes. been some comments about, uh, I think it was Facebook, but somebody anyway, one of the social media platforms, taking down anti-Zionist messages as being anti-Semitic. Right, yes. A- and conflating... Zionism with well, uh, uh, basically a political position with mm. a group of people. Yeah, with with an identity, which mm. yeah would be the same. Mm. Conflating mm. with the the CCP with the Chinese people. Mm. Anyway, we'll get on to um, bland labour politics in a moment when we talk about Albanese's response to the budget. Well, I will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do, just still some other stuff um, in terms of. Uh, uh, things that we're up to. We're, we're making news on this podcast these days as much as we are reporting it. Is um, With the Noosa Temple of Satan, dear listener, so I've got my Supreme Court um, action going on. Uh, hearing date will probably be August at this stage is the likely um, thing. Submitted some affidavits. And the good news is that I managed to get a, a Section 49 cost order, which is a, an unusual... Um, obscure provision um, in the Judicial Review Act. Basically, a judge made an order that no matter what happens on the day, each side will bear their own costs. So I don't have to worry about paying, Good. if we lose, yeah. uh, tens of thousands of dollars. So I get to stay in this nice house in the leafy western suburbs of Brisbane Irrespective of the result. So that's good. Great. So have you not yeah. already got it in so, Mrs. Fist's name? I do actually. <laughs> I was just looking for sympathy. <laughs> Look, looking right. for Patreon money. That's right. <laughs> it's it's quite embarrassing actually, because as part of the application, well, there's three things you've got to demonstrate. One is that you have a case with some merit. Mm-hmm. And and the Crown actually consented to all this. We didn't even have to fight. They actually said to the judge, mm. we consent. Give wow. him his order. Yeah. Wow. So you have to have a, a, a case with some merit. Um, it has to be a test case that is of wider implication than just the, the case in question. Yep. And then you have to show uh, financial disparity between yourself and the other side. So that's between myself and the state of Queensland. Yeah. So I, I, I briefly listed my assets and I can tell you it was a brief list because <laughs> I don't own much. It's quite <laughs> embarrassing. I'm sure they looked at it and they thought, this poor guy, like he's, he's, he's 
He's 56 years of age. Yeah. He's got fuck all. What's, what's he <laughs> Poor done? Poor old bugger's life? down on his luck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Probably what they thought. It's because you're a cat man. That's it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so anyway, that was a good win and that was good practice because when we do some other cases coming up to do with prayers in Parliament and other stuff, I've got one Section 49 order under my belt. I know how to do it, mm. so I can do it again for these other ones. Congratulations, mm. Trevor. So, and I mean mm. that. That's that's really mm. yeah. A, yeah. So, a, a minor mm. success, but a very significant one. It is, yeah. yeah. I can really have a crack at this and not be fearful of this major thing hanging over your head. And yeah. that's the yes. idea of it. The Law Reform Commission introduced this section because mm. it said, you know, people with a meritorious case shouldn't be put off from mm. it through fear of Indeed. of of a major cost order. The old scales of justice thing. Yeah. So I really fell neatly within what was required. And the other thing was there's been very little case law on this section and and basically it lists things, reasons why it should be given, but the reasons are not exhaustive. So they've said any other good reason, tell us about it. And I put in that Grace Grace had made this statement in the public about Satanists not being allowed to teach, etc., mm. and that if a high-ranking official makes a statement like that, that should be considered as a factor in this. Mm. And if they'd fought it, the chances are that that could have created a precedent. And so I don't think Grace Grace wanted to be a precedent in Section 49 matters. So anyway, it all fell in my favour quite nicely. So, uh, so Yes, so that was good. Um, so we'll keep you posted on that. Right. Um, and do you want us out picketing at the hearing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> bring I, our costumes? Just in black robes? Or is it red robes? I, I think the, the real better, question is... If, I don't know, maybe a combo. If mm. the government decide to settle... I don't think they will. It's going all the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and that was the question. If, if they settled and we won, mm. that wouldn't set a, a case law precedent... So would yeah. you be willing to settle or do I you want know. to settle this case law? I don't case know. Law? I think I've got a... I reckon I've got a 60-40 chance. So I think I'm, mm. I don't know. I could, because the thing is, under the, under the section, it says, Section 76 of the Education General Provisions Act says that a representative of a religious denomination or society is allowed to enter and teach religion. So a religious society is a very, very broad Indeed. grouping. And, and it says nothing about numbers. Correct. And just a religious society can mean almost anything. Just about. And, mm. and so it's a beautiful section. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely got a chance. So, um, so don't, worry, don't worry about you being famous. Shay? <laughs> That's right. You'll be famous. I can win this. I'll be famous. <laughs> That's and right. I'll drag you along my coattails. You will be... Just hang on. Just yes. hang on is all I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> we better pick out our colour robes now, Paul. Yeah. yeah, just one other thing, uh, self-indulgent. Um, again, we are making the news here is the census that's coming up later this year. And as you know, dear listener, the way the uh, census question is phrased, and it might be popping up on the screen here if Tech Guy Joe doesn't... Oh, you've the, actually... Yeah, yeah, put it on there, Joe. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, in the census, the question is, what is the person's religion? And then first response is no religion, and then a bunch of other religions like Catholic, Anglican, Uniting Church, etc. So 
National Secular Lobby and other people like that say it's a bit of a leading question. Ideally, they say it should be, are you religious? And if yes, then which religion? Rather than a question which says, what is your religion? And I think there's something to that, that it's mm -hmm. kind of a leading question. So they actually made representations to the census people, had a meeting with them and tried to convince them. Sorry, who did? The National Secular Lobby. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And tried to convince them that this was a leading question and why don't you mm. phrase it as a, do you have a religion? If mm. so, what is your religion? And they weren't really having a bar of it. They didn't think that it was... The Census Commission didn't think yeah, that they, they didn't had a case? They didn't think it was... Uh, would make any difference. So, mm. so we were looking so at. So, who really works for the Census Commission? Are they uh, well, trained statisticians? Yeah, presumably, I mean, it doesn't and, sound like it, does well, it? Well, presumably, and I think the National Secular Lobby presented some evidence of some psychiatrists or whatever to say it's a leading question. Mm. Anyway, we were looking at that in terms of challenging it under a judicial review, and that, that might happen. But anyway, in speaking with Brian Morris. I think I'm allowed to claim this one. That's my idea. But I said, why don't you run a proper poll with Ipsos or somebody like that where you get a 1,000 people and you ask them the question as per the census and then a completely different 1,000 of people but otherwise exactly the same methodology, same company but with the question the way we think it should be and see if there's a difference. Mm. And then if it's a substantial difference, you've got an argument. Yep. So the National Secular Lobby is going to try and organise two polls through Ipsos that will do that. And it costs money, dear listener, to run a poll. I think about $4,000 per poll. So I'm looking at 8000 something like that. Mm. So in the show notes, you'll see a link to the National Secular Lobby. Um, go in and donate, please, some money. Um I think that's a worthwhile endeavour to give it a crack and uh, if we all chip in a little bit, mm. you'll see when you go to the – if you just Google National Secular Lobby and there's, um, there's a link for donations or um, um, you'll see it, contributions, I think it is, and it'll ask you what your organisation is. You can write Iron Fist Velvet Glove as your organisation and, uh, and that will uh, just let them know that you've come from us. So mm. we need some money for that and they will get organised. So we've got a live studio audience is arriving. And, he's in the chat. Uh, no, John just arrived through the front door. Did no, 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 uh, the link to the secular oh, lobbies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and is, is the door? Is, yes, he is. Here, John, our live studio audience is, come in, John, come and sit down, yes. So Welcome. John's previously been on the podcast. There's a seat right there, and Kay as well. Come up and sit, Hello. John, right there. And Kay, Hello. and I've even got a microphone there for you if you, you can chip in at some stage. So John's in town, and um, he asked whether we wanted a live studio audience. I said, <laughs> Welcome. Particularly when he was prepared to bring beer and, <laughs> yes. and also cold, cold Coke that I'd forgotten for Joe, the tech guy. So, so um, right, we'll keep going. And... Look at that. We've got all this way just talking about ourselves without any other stuff. But that's interesting that we managed yes. to do that. So, um, so uh, we do like to talk about ourselves. Yeah. So there we go. Um, or just briefly, the other day I had my Anzac Day um, podcast and Obrad Puskarika sent a nice note. Thank you, Obrad, for that. 
and um, I will list the patrons a bit later. Don't let me forget, Joe. And right, breaking news in Queensland, voluntary assisted dying. Yes, big news today. Yes. Mm. So the Queensland government has um, said that they're going to introduce some legislation and it's going to go through a committee for 12 weeks, but Palaszczuk said it's going to be a conscience vote for the um, Labor Party and the LNP has not said what they're going to be doing, but it's going to look like it probably we'll would get through if it's a, you would think. Yeah. Is that going to be like the LNP, Labor, um, LNP conscience vote on abortion? I wonder, yes. Mm. Um, where they, where they said you can have a conscience vote, but if you do, we're going to kick you out of the party. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be like that. But anyway, um, more about that it, next week, possibly. Is, is there no possibility, or is there any history of the Labor Party ever punishing people for voting the wrong way? Don't know. On a conscience vote. On a conscience vote. Yeah. I don't think on a, I don't think on a conscience vote. I can think of any party being so blatant in the way that they were Well, they Queensland. were very blatant. Yeah. So, so I, can't, I can't think of anybody being so blatant with a conscience vote before. So um, uh, you've got a microphone in front of you, John. You can chip in as well as be a, an audience <laughs> member if you want yes. to. Just lean in close if you decide to chip in. So it's up to you. So, <laughs> Not live audience. Yes, that's it. <laughs> You'll have to get even closer to that microphone if you decide to talk. Okay. Yep. So just briefly... Um, so in order to avail yourself of voluntary assisted dying in Queensland, you would need an eligible condition that's advanced and progressive and expected to cause death within 12 months. You would still need to have decision-making capacity. So if you've got dementia, no good. You need to be acting voluntarily without coercion, be at least 18 years of age and have lived in Queensland for the previous 12 months. So... Um, and I think it requires a couple of doctors involved there who have needed some particular training as well. More details to come on that. Um, and any health practitioners who don't want to be involved don't have to be. That's fair enough. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, uh, David Muir from the Clem Jones Group pointed out it's not compulsory, it's voluntary, don't have to. But already um, Titian Johnson from the pro-life group Cherish Life Queensland uh, said it's state-sanctioned killing. Wow. Mm. I heard a, a brief uh, thing on the radio on the way over in the car about this and one of the spokespeople said, and it was a female, and she said there will definitely be unnecessary deaths or I, f I forget her, her exact wording but mm. she said as if this law goes through people will die who shouldn't have died basically is what she was claiming right mm. well it, the way the law reads you need to be it needs to be clear that you would have died within the next 12 months so she was from, I yeah. believe, from this group, Cherish Life. Yes, interesting name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. So of course these people lie all the time. Mm. <laughs> so do they? Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris Stevenson wrote a great article. I'll have a link to it in the show notes, but um, where she described how she was at this sort of party years ago and witnessed this debate between some Christians and a scientist, and 
and how the Christians were basically misrepresenting data and all the rest of it. And It was young earth creationism. Yeah, okay. And, and the fact that despite the fact that these um, believers had been given the correct information a number of times, had been told where they had cherry-picked and misquoted, mm. so they'd been told of their mistakes and they carried on using the same wrong information. They'll just blatantly lie and they'll say that there were cases in overseas where things happened and they just didn't happen that way they described them. Mm. It's the same as what Trump got up to, wasn't it? Uh, just lying. Tell lie, keep going. Yes. Yeah. Don't stop. That's true. So, because there's no consequences. So, yeah. um, why not give it a go? Yep. So, Mrs. Fist is just <laughs> looking in here and going, why are there so many people in here now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Anyway, more about that. We'll probably, maybe we'll get uh, Deep Throat in to talk about it at some yes. stage. So that's good. Um, I imagine Deep Throat would have been cheered by the news. I would have thought so. Mm. Yeah. John, you just missed it, but in our intro we were describing how Shay was trying for pre-selection for the seat of uh, Ryan. I, I sort of missed the first yeah. couple of minutes, but then I heard. And they said, well, you can't... Um, be pre-selected because you've been on a podcast unless all episodes of the podcast are wiped from public viewing. Is so, that a, Is that a rule within the party or is that just somebody's opinion? Good question. Yeah, we're still <laughs> yeah. seeking still clarification. Yeah. So um, you've – just get closer to the microphone, John. You are a member of the Labor Party yeah. and you attend meetings. I was at a meeting last night, local, state, mm-hmm. um, electoral – I think it is. SEC, we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, I wouldn't have heard something like that. Yeah, that's... Mm. I mean, my personal opinion on it is you've got to be loud and proud, you know. Like, if you're... Everyone's done some things in their past life that mm. you may or may not regret in the future. Mm. Yes. I always think politicians should just go, if they get accused of, I don't know, did you do something on your bucks night you shouldn't have? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Mm. But then what are they going to ask next? Oh, don't you think that should, you know, you've listened- disqualify yourself? Well, no, when I was 19, I did some stupid stuff. You've probably listened to a lot of the episodes of this podcast, mm. right? Would you recommend it as compulsory listening to most <laughs> Labor Party members? <laughs> um, I would, especially, mm. at, at like, and, I, and I found it interesting now that I've started going to meeting because general members are very diverse. Mm. So I, I found it quite interesting. A lot of people could really do with listening to your meritocracy thing, and I got a bit yeah. out of that as well. Right. Thank but, you, John. But there's others that I was talking to last night that would be all on board with that. Mm. Okay. Mm. That's fine. So. Mm. Okay. I've just digressed while you're there. Okay. Mm. Um, budget. So uh, anybody got any strong thoughts about the budget and the opposition's response? Like I was saying before, I just want to thank um, Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins for – getting women on the agenda of the of the budget. Um, there's some much-needed reforms that did were announced. I don't know if they'll be put through, but it um, was uh, quite amazing, uh, their budget this time compared to the last one. I must Certainly. have missed it. What were and the pro-women things in the budget? So they'll give you, if you're a woman fleeing a domestic violence situation, they'll give you $5,000, which uh-huh. will go a long way to assist them. Um, what were some other things? What if you're a trans woman? Uh, they made domestic violence. Do you still get it? I think you probably I would. Presume so. Yeah. yeah, presume so. 
Actually, um, but that will be interesting because that's one of the things um, you notice about some of the liberal policies is that it makes them announce them, but to actually access the money becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you have to jump through lots it. of hoops. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody actually gets their hands. I was going to say, like the firefighters paid during the bushfires. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Where it was, uh, yeah, we're going to give the firefighters money for fighting the volunteers and then it turned out it was only if you'd lost money at your business and yes. there was all these hurdles that basically meant no one could claim it yes yep yep well yeah just, oh yeah that's the other thing it's like they made childcare a woman's problem right yeah yep. which is still pretty tone deaf i didn't yeah. pay that much attention to it, but what i did get out of it i think was that most of the money they're spending doesn't come with any regulations or anything. So it just seems to me, especially with aged care and stuff, that money's just going to get transferred from public to private hands. Yes, so you can give an extra $10 a head per night in an aged care facility, but there's no guarantee that doesn't end up in the pocket of the shareholders no. or the executive team, and it doesn't necessarily mean a better meal on the plate. For yeah, last the, Saturday yes. morning's ABC AM, they had an interview with um, a lady from... That involved in aged care. Yep. And she was saying that is that they've said there's a minimum of I think it's sixty or ninety hours a day per resident. She said they need to triple the amount of employees they've got. Mm. Just to bring, that. bring but, that even closer to you, that microphone. <coughs> Drag it right. sit closer or, 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 or bring the bring it closer. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Um Yeah, so they they should triple the amount of um employees they've got plus um something like seventy five percent are just like aides with no training at all. Mm. So, but there's no regulation in the budget to say minimum numbers or minimum training or, or anything. I yeah. can't. There's no guarantee the money I, I think will it's be just, effective. Mm. I, I think it's just a huge, regular, conservative budget aimed at a, an election, mm. which I think is coming in the next couple of months, essentially. Anyway, in, in previous years, it's it's been the catch cry that the... Uh, Conservative government knows how to manage money, knows how to get a <laughs> deficit under control. Not like these wasteful Labor Party governments. I mean, and think of Kevin Rudd and what he did and blew out the budget. That's been the mantra of conservative governments. Pink is bats we, in school halls. We, we know how to manage a budget, mm. not like those guys over there. Well, that argument's completely blown out of the water now. Mm, One really. would think you don't think so i doubt it no i mean i'm not saying i think it's a great budget at all but to claim that the labor party have a history of good budgetary management is a bit of a stretch Uh, no no but the point is the the liberals would always say we are good money managers say that yes and their budget now is just a record deficit well some people are saying that it's a it's a labor budget indeed (laughs) on steroids That, that labor could never have got away with Quite possibly, because the media would have been onto them and would have crucified them. Seriously, if Labor had come out and spent as much money as the Conservatives have in recent times, they'd be jumping all over them. And it, it's interesting here, there's some headlines. Sorry? So in, 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 response to the, um, in response to the budget, here are the headlines from some of the papers. So... Um, lots of superlatives. You beauty, election injection, rebuild of dreams, super spender, 1.6 billion for the heartland, 
So that's the sort of... Oh, yes. um, oh, yeah. You don't think some of those headlines are tongue-in-cheek, Trevor? No. Really? No. These were Ute all... beauty? You don't think that's tongue-in-cheek? Uh, no, it's saying you beauty. Ute beauty. Yeah, yeah. But As it's, in the car. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's a positive response to the budget. It's saying... It could be sarcastic. Uh, I don't think so. You From Murdoch, so? he doesn't know how to do sarcastic, does he? No. Full strength recovery, election injection, rebuild of dreams, super spender event. And These you don't all... see any sarcasm in any of those? No. Sarcasm in a headline of a... No. These are not sarcastic headlines. These are full on board, great budget, you beauty. Super spender event. You don't think that's sarcastic? No. Okay. So, but when you looked at, oh, road to recovery, $1.68 billion for the heartland, billions for aged care overhaul. Mm. But when you looked at when Labor brought out its budget post-global financial crisis, um, it was price of labour. Doesn't add up. Uh, labour playing debt roulette. There's a clear difference in how... It's being reported. They're reported. And if Labor had, you know, it's actually just, we're just lucky that the LNP was in charge during this to some extent because mm. they were able to spend the money that we needed to be spent. Like I say, it's, they needed to spend the money. Mm. Like it's, it's clear they had to spend a lot of money. So it's not, that's not a bad, are you saying that's a good or oh, bad? Oh, you know my feelings about the whole, uh, you know, lockdown and all the bullshit that went on putting people out of work. But, but you don't think the money should have been spent the way it was? I don't, I don't was? think there should have been a need to spend all that oh, money. Because okay. you're saying there shouldn't have been a lockdown. Exactly. Right, okay. Uh, People shouldn't have been thrown under the bus like they were. Which was yeah. precisely why they had to give them money, because they threw them under the bus. Yeah. They didn't have their jobs yeah. anymore. Yeah, businesses were closed. So. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm saying that they needed to spend the money but um, if Labor had been in power, the Murdoch press would have been all over them to say, you can't spend that, that's just crazy. So we're kind of mm. lucky that they were in charge. There's one way of looking at it, and we're saddled with the Murdoch press. So um, uh, what else did I want to take away from the budget? So oh, just briefly, um, well, did anybody watch Albanese's response? You're a Labor Party man. You're a Labor Party woman. I, was, I watched the start. I was, I was driving. But, um... Right. <laughs> <laughs> would you have watched it if you weren't driving? Yeah, I probably would have actually, yeah. Right. We got another log cabin story. Oh, I, you know, Any I know repeats? from personal experience. We've heard that story <laughs> so many times. I'm sick of it's the log boring. cabin story. God, he needs a new story. <laughs> I don't think from, from the uh, reporting that I've heard on it, I don't think he had much choice really yeah you know to, to go hard and say they've been spending too much money mm, he would have got hammered worked. and any other way he would have got hammered as well like what 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 he should have said was we needed to spend a lot of money <coughs> but you guys wasted it on jerry harvey yes it would be so easy to make the point mm. that that yes we needed lots of money spent but mm. all of these characters whose businesses were booming you gave money to and now you're not even trying to get it back mm. Mm. 
that should have been the first thing he said yeah. was, yes, we need a lot of money spent, but not given away to Jerry Harvey. Mm. Um, Maybe they should have got the robo-debt to call up Jerry Harvey. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah, you could have made lines like that. That's what he should have been doing, but mm. none of that from And did I he tackle see. wage growth? I don't know. It was, yeah. it was a series of Because that's like the obvious thing as well. Motherhood sort of statements without trying to cut through. Mm. So... I'm not sure about Shay, but I've definitely seen a real disconnect between the Labor Party membership and the and the political. Not the enough mongrel in the in the fight, like just rolling over. Yeah, mm. basically, excuse me. Basically, most people I talk to mm. within the party don't have much hope for the next election because we're just not prosecuting arguments mm. at the top. Yep, yep. And is is I could only stomach a little bit of it. I couldn't watch the whole thing, but. You know, rather rather than just nonsense motherhood statements for 35 minutes, he would have been better saying, talking for five minutes and making half a dozen points and then just get out of there. At least people would say, oh, if it was only five minutes long, I'll probably watch it. What did he say? Like, mm. by dragging it on for that and saying nothing, nobody's ever going to listen to it. So it would be mm. so easy to talk about how much they've wasted money you could throw yes. in the submarines that is a disaster and That's calling right. for them to cancel that contract as soon as possible. Mm. Um, but they started talking about austerity and about how we've got a all oh, this budget, you know. This, Albanese was talking yes, about austerity. Jim Chalmers did. Oh, Jim Chalmers. Yeah, yeah, they're starting to talk about austerity and, oh, I'm just not sure about this. Who are the conservatives now? Exactly. Mm. You're not going to win with that. No. Um, so, and he could have really got stuck into <coughs> Morrison about the response to COVID, particularly with the vaccine yes. rollout. He could particularly say a lot of the good stuff that's been done has been done by the states, not by you bozos. Exactly. And where's our quarantine facility that you've that's had 12 right. months to do? Where are our vaccines? You're yes. hopeless. Well, yes. And when, when is so the um, easy. A doll going to become the same as the JobKeeper? And exactly. But- um, and... Um, what else did I have in here? Uh, oh, and throw in some comments about Julian Assange, Bernard Collery, and Witness K to top it off, like mm. for did the he? heartland, like Bernard Collery and Witness K. These are the but guys, Julian, Julian Assange, and Julian and Julian Assange. Like our government's doing nothing for these people. Mm. We're oh. we're allowing Star Chamber hearings in Canberra um, of good people, and our government's doing nothing about it. Like. He well, they're the prosecuting ch- them, aren't they? Well, that's right. So yes. here's the one chance where Australia's going to listen to you and mm. you could have knocked off a good number of topics in 10 minutes. <coughs> so, um, uh, Wasted opportunity on the elbows. Yes. No, it was. I, I, I think in, in, mm. in stuff like that, I think the Labor Party is waiting for the election campaign to, like, put it all out there. But I, I think in this day and age, people tune out in the electoral campaigns. You need to get mm. all your... Mm. Stuff out early. You need this people is what to. We believe in people need to fall early. in love and trust you well in advance. Yeah, yes. you can't wait to the election campaign. The Tasmanian mm. election proved that one. Mm. They sprung it on them. Mm. The the Greens and Labor down there, and they mm. they all just folded. it. Mm. Mm. So um, anyway, sometimes can, comedians are the best ones for sort of nailing what happens. And the Batuta Advocate has done it again. And um, the headline was, government asks youth to use their retirement savings to prop up hyperinflated property market. <laughs> the federal government is calling on the nation's young people to take on six to seven figures of debt to prop up the hyperinflated national property market. 
in an effort to keep on securing the grey vote. Quote, We need to make sure the lives of the property-owning baby boomers are as comfortable as possible right up until that last <laughs> ventricle or heart valve finally blows out, says Josh from Melbourne. We can't keep relying on the Chinese nouveau rich to keep pouring money in. <laughs> the lazy millennials need to do what's right for the country and buy a shitty inner city property for a million or two. <laughs> now, if Clancy from the Batuta Advocate ever wanted to run in any seat, <coughs> they would have him. They would have him. That's like, so good. Again, allowing young people to access their super to put mm. into home deposits, all that does is prop up and increase price. the price of property. We've seen it happen several times. Every time the government offers a you know, a first home buyer's yep. bonus, Great. the prices go up. How mm. much is the bonus? 20000 Well, whack that straight onto our price now. It's one we of know the yes. dumbest things that they've ever done in terms of... And why isn't, why isn't Labor now. crucifying them for mm. that? Like, what they should be doing is they're saying there's a massive property problem at the moment mm. in terms of pricing. Like, it's crazy. Mm. In Australia, is way out of kilter with the rest of the world. And the reason is our tax laws provide a great tax incentive for people to own property and rent it out. The capital gains... Or not tax, rent it out, own it yep. and not rent it out. Indeed. They don't want to earn money on it. So the capital gains is effectively halved on because it's property. Mm. No good reason. Mm. What they need to do is just say, guess what? Over the next 10 years, we're going to phase that out proportionately over 10 years. So you don't have to sell your rental property next week or next year but progressively the extra special tax benefits you get are going to disappear. Guess what? Investors leave the market, homeowners enter, prices flatline for 10 years while that all happens. That's what we need. Not rocket science. Um, got, got that? Anyone Labor watching in this subversive <laughs> podcast that Shay well, shouldn't be on? Say, they would say that that didn't work. So whatever Bill Shorten was proposing at the last federal election, which I know yeah. is different, but that they probably won't touch it again and what because was that's what cost them to election. Yeah. Um, investment houses the politicians owned? What about that? Mm. Wasn't there a report on the number of um, investment houses that each politician owns? Yeah. They've got a vested interest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hi, Mum. Yeah. So, oh, Shay's mum in the chat room. <laughs> Look, I've been on my high horse. I haven't even been looking at the chat room, but you guys are going off in there by the looks of it, so good on you. Yep. Um, no, I'm actually not in the chat room anymore. I was there a bit ago. Yeah, you were. I saw that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, direct investment versus trickle-down approach. This is from Essential Poll. Anthony Albanese, are you listening? Um, here's what they put to the potential voters as to which statement do you agree with more. First statement, the government should directly invest in the economy by creating projects and jobs and raise the standard of living for the majority of workers. Or maybe you prefer this statement, the government should relax regulation and lower taxes for the wealthy to encourage businesses to grow and create jobs. And mm. in total, 66% were in favour of the first and 17% of the second. Not many people are in favour of lower taxes for the wealthy at this moment in time. And uh, even amongst coalition voters, it was 64% to 23%. So when Albanese is talking about 
or Jim Chalmers about austerity, they should be going, hold on a minute, those tax cuts that were put in two years ago that are now starting to take effect, uh, not a good idea. Mm. <sighs> Didn't they vote for them? I don't know. Maybe they did. I think they did. Yeah, they, mm. yeah, I think they, you that, might be right. That was a big um, who are at the branches. Yes, mm. right. I had a go at um, Deb O'Neill. Right. Over that. Is Deb O'Neill yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one who's yeah, yeah, uh, helping but, out hey, the Christians with I the... Wouldn't, I wouldn't worry, mate. She's gone. What? She's been put on the bottom of the next Senate ticket. Ah. Yeah, apparently some deal about her being to go to the back to the lower house or something and she didn't take it the last time around or something. You heard it first on the Iron Fist Velvet Gloves <laughs> podcast. Um, so she's the one who's been liaising This will get the shit probably. She's yeah. the one who's been liaising with... Um, the, Amanda, the, Stoker? Amanda Stoker over the religious discrimination bill and hoping to have a meeting of minds and they were on the same page, presumably. Um, Is that right? Uh, I haven't heard much about right. That hasn't come back through the party very much, but right. I've heard more from you about that. Right, okay. But as far as um, uh, what's, the other New South, what's the old New South Wales Premier? Baird? No. There's been a few of them. Um, no, 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 no they're the Canadian. Oh, yes. Um, Christina. Christina Keneally. Keneally, yeah, she's got the top spot. Ah, so she's taken it from yeah, Deb Yeah, and then I heard Deb O'Neill was second, but then last night I heard she was third now right. on the ticket. So This could be breaking news on the mm. podcast. Yeah, right. so. Okay. But Interesting. Yeah, no, what, but, what but, did but you think in relation of Deb O'Neill? I um, only met her a couple of times and I didn't see much of her in Parliament, but mm. But I, I definitely, at the time of those tax cuts, I, I had a big shot across her bowels at one of our meetings and, and she just basically just got really cranky and says, yeah, yeah, but later on we don't want to get the finger pointed at us that, that we denied people money. So, but my point back to her was, yeah, but you, you're just basically folding on your principles, you know. It's like, what are you standing for here? Right. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Also, Amanda Stoker... Um, so she's been meeting with different faith groups about the religious discrimination bill and the Noosa Temple of Satan did a post saying, well, why won't you meet with us? Mm -hmm. We want to meet. We wrote a letter Surely, and yeah. they sent back a response saying, well, what would you want to talk about? So we sent another letter back saying, well, we'd like to talk about ABCDE and we didn't get any response to that. So we did another letter saying, still waiting for a response. So then we did a post to our... Followers saying, call up, you know, send a message to her office saying she needs to meet us. Well, we got an email saying Ooh. you're invited. And sometime in July, um, Robin and I are going to meet with Amanda Stoker in, um, in the city and have a, have a chat. That should the religious be interesting. Wish I could be a fly on the wall <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah. The critical question yeah. was, did you decide... Um, pumpkin scones or normal scones? Yeah, well, Robin's famous for his scones, so oh, no, we're not going to yeah. take scones. But uh, <laughs> but there you go. We've got a meeting with Amanda Stoker well talking about the religious discrimination bill and uh, our objections to it. So basically demonstrating that there are some faith groups who are secular. Hmm. Wish mm. us luck on that one, hey? Yeah. You had, um, yeah, when it was all going around the first time, a lot of um, uh, supporters of, of Deb O'Neill and, and others in our area, mm. when I put up motions... Opposing the the discrimination, religious discrimination act, they were all quite supportive of it. So, mm. which was interesting. But I didn't get. I've, I haven't spoken to Deb O'Neill since, so mm. I don't know. So, who was who was supportive? 
<coughs> like staffers and stuff like that. At the, like, like, at, yeah, the branch. at the branch and, mm. and then uh, federal committee meetings. They were supportive of the religious discrimination. No, no, no. I put up a, a motion against the discrimination. Oh, I see. Act, yep. And they were supportive of that. Oh, good. Mm. But I didn't get to talk to her directly, so I don't know how that filters up or filters down. I'm not mm. sure. Mm. Anyway, just on the economy, I saw an interesting graph, which might appear on the screen with a bit of luck, about eating out and how much people spend on eating out. And it's completely recovered. Like, it's an amazing graph that just shows this line moving upwards from left to right. And, of course, during the middle of the pandemic, dropped dramatically, but now has recovered really well. So in terms of people spending money on eating out, it's pretty much back it, to where it, it should be. It does say takeaway food services. Yeah. And during the lockdown, mm. um, I, I'm mm. sure that the takeaways did very well out of it. Yeah. Well, they did plummet, though, at one point. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. what I'm surprised about. Mm. There was a thing on TV a few nights ago, and I believe it was some of the eateries on uh, South Bank, Brisbane South Bank, mm. um, and they were expressing grave uh, misgivings about the possibility of more lockdowns in the future. They said mm. that they're, they're just hanging on. And if the Premier keeps imposing lockdowns on them, they just don't know how long they can keep going. Mm. So it's not that good, even though the graph well, seems to indicate little, everything's fine. It really isn't. Yeah, it's a, it's a split economy. There's winners say, and losers everywhere. Yeah, there's mm. the CBD and there's the suburbs. The suburbs mm. are doing very well, thank you. Yes. It's the mm. CBD Maybe. that's yeah. suffering. Mm. Yep. So the CBDs are struggling to recover because the people um, – Workers are still aren't coming back to the city like they were. Mm. A lot of them are working at home, mm. um, you know what I mean, two, three days a week. Yeah. Some of my soccer buddies only going once a month when they have to. My daughter-in-law got a new job and part of the application process was what is your home office situation like in terms of <laughs> the Zoom meetings and things? In other mm. words, do you have one? Yes. Mm. Oh. And, and how good is it because you'll be doing a lot from home. So we're keen to know what well, you'll... I heard yesterday your office area in, in Sydney mm. has been going something like $2,000 per square metre mm-hmm. on each floor, wow. mm. like a week. So mm. big companies are looking to have people at home, like they're looking like that mm. kind of money. Jeez. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, uh, we were actually talking in the office about, um, you know, all the dongers that go out to the mine sites, mm. effectively a home office in a donger. You just crate in, you, you truck into somebody's... Put it in your backyard. Put it in your backyard. Right. Connect up the power. Put an air conditioning the air, in it. Air conditioning already in it yep. uh, and a computer point and an internet. Just took it up to the internet and uh, put some power in and you've got an office in a box. Not everybody's got room to put... Not everybody has, backyard. but there's enough people. Yeah. Anyway, I've been working from home for a long time. I love it. Mm-hmm. Your daughter-in-law should just take a, a video of this and just <laughs> submit it as evidence of her home office. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you were speaking about shutdowns and this is not quite shutdowns. It's more about the international border and whether that international border should be opened up. So this was from News Poll in The Australian and, uh, again, Options given to these people in the poll. First one, international borders should open as soon as all Australians who want to be are vaccinated. 
talks. And the other one was international borders should remain largely closed until at least mid-2022 or until the pandemic is under control globally. So um, open as soon as anybody who's got a vaccination as who wants one has got one or alternatively nothing to change much until mid-2022. Dear listener, what do you think the response was? Well, it was a big tick for the second option. So um, overall, only 21% wanted an earlier opening and 73% said, keep the place shut until twenty, the mid-2022. Until under control globally. Yes. That is quite a statement. Yeah. Like... I, I have to say, <coughs> I think by the time everyone who wants a vaccine has got it, I think that's the time to but, open but up. But the problem yes. is that isn't um, herd immunity. Yeah. Because yeah. there are so many anti-vaxxers at the moment yeah. that we're not going to get herd immunity. And so you have the people who can't have vaccines basically not protected by the people who can but refuse to have vaccines. Uh, who are the people who can't have vaccines? People who are uh, on uh, immunosuppressants, who right. are um, chemotherapy, um, yeah. uh, young children... That's true. Yeah. Good point. Good point. There are people who would like to have it but can't have it. Correct. Good point. And that's what we rely on, herd immunity. That's why mm. most people are vaccinated even though you don't need most people vaccinated. Mm. In in theory, in a low-risk disease, it's to protect the, the weak and the vulnerable. My mother is 86, hang on, 87, and kidneys are shot and she's not in great condition. But anyway... She's getting her vaccine for COVID finally Friday week. It's been delayed because the local GP got a shipment in and their fridge failed, whole batch ruined. Got a new fridge and then the shopping centre that they're in lost its power. <laughs> lost another batch. And good news, um, Moderna, the government has finally... Mm. Uh, signed an agreement to buy, uh, I can't remember how many million doses. 25. Mm. But the more important thing is manufacturing facilities onshore mm. because that technology will give us the capability in the future to build vaccines for other things mm. because the mRNA technology allows you to build a vaccine within a, a number of days. Mm. It's very clever stuff. Roman in the chat room says, most of my clients, Victorian government, are now working in the office two to three days per week and from home the rest of the time as a more or less permanent thing. That would make sense, I reckon. Mm. That doesn't surprise me. And I know, like, in this court case, I'm dealing with Crown Law and the guy I'm dealing with on the other side, his kids were sick, so he's just working from home and um, good for that sort of thing. Flexible. Mm. Anyway, that's a high number. Is he a Paul. cat, though? Is he a cat? Have you not seen the the Zoom call with the American lawyer right. whose secretary had been playing around with the filters on the Zoom? Oh, and, and he, he looked like, like a cat and he couldn't turn it off. And, yeah. and he was saying to the judge, honestly, judge, I'm not a cat. <laughs> I heard about it. I didn't see it. But, Paul, you'd be, you'd be distressed by that, by that poll here. 73% of... Why would I be distressed? of people saying keep it closed until oh, the middle of, of next year unless they were very bright and had thought of what you're thinking of. But I don't think many people would have thought of that, that there's a bunch of people who can't get the vaccine. 
Anyway, Europeans are starting mm. to travel abroad again, you know, mm. for holidays mm. and things. They've, they've not stopped. Mm. Other than when countries have been locked down, there's been more or less free travel. Mm. Is, is there a difference, going back a step to what you were saying about people who anti-vaxxers, has there been a study yet of people who have jet said anti-vaxxer to those who are hesitant? Because there's a lot of people out there, including the girlfriend of me, one, uh, one of my sons, who said, oh, I think it's been developed too quick. But I think that's more of an information thing. Yeah. That I think she wasn't objecting to having the vaccine, but she was just worried. So yeah, I think yeah. There's, there's a big difference, I think. I, I agree. There is a, there's a core of people who, if you give the information to, will never accept it. Mm. And then there are those who are just ill-informed. Mm. Ill-informed? Um, yeah, I, I think... Oh, Joe, come on. I mean, I'm not anti-vax, but I'm not rushing out to get vaccinated simply because... It, it, it was produced very quickly and there have been, you know, side effects detected. In fact, just the other day, I think it was yesterday, I heard on the news an 18-year-old was vaccinated and four or five days later had developed blood clots. It's a serious side effect. It can kill you. It so can. it's not really a matter and, and necessarily so can the of being ill-informed, Joe. It might be just plain... Fear, right? But, but if, if you know the relative risks, you know that the, the virus is considerably more likely to injure you or kill you well, than the vaccine is. That's debatable as well, mm. especially well, I, for an eighteen-year-old. Uh, even for an eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-olds hardly ever die from COVID, Joe. Come on, but, the, the but they do. The die. vaccine itself, the argument about only being developed quite quickly, is misleading in itself because they've been developing RMNA for fifteen years now. But this specific vaccine was developed. No, no, no. Very it quickly. is the vaccine. You've got a vector, which is your transport in, and then you've got your different strains. And it, and it only took a very short time. They had the right strain within weeks. And it's taken all this time to all There's assumptions that the, the safety protocols. The safety protests. The safety and, protocols. And, and the, there has been more rigor around the safety protocol than for any other vaccine. That may be it's, so. It's been rushed because money has been thrown well, at it. That may be so, but you can still understand people being oh, hesitant. I, I understand the. So to be, say that they're ill-informed, I think that, it's a I, bit I think unfair. They're ill-informed because they haven't been given the information in a format that is easily digestible. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's the politicians should have been saying, "No, this vaccine's been being developed for fifteen years." Mm. It, it's not. Yeah, it's not that they're dumb. It's that we haven't given the information in a format that most people can understand the relative risks. I understand the relative risks. I'm not rushing out to get it. I Have you seen the actual figures of the relative risks? Oh, look, I know they're, they're, quite, they're quite small, you know. But have you seen a, a comparison of the actual I probably actual have, but I don't recall. Chances, off, right. Off the top of my head. Yeah. I have. There's a, well, sorry, it's UK only. Um, but there are, for different rates, mm. the risk of getting COVID versus the risk of, mm. well, sorry, the risk of ending up with a serious complication of COVID versus the risk of a complication from the vaccine. Mm. Uh, and where COVID is rare in the community and you're under 30, the risk is about one-to-one. But anywhere else, the risk of getting COVID is, is much higher. Mm. See, I haven't seen that published anywhere in Australia that I've seen for that sort of a big, actual be, figure. Because, because mm. uh, COVID is not mm. endemic at the moment. Mm. Mm. But is as soon a, as we open the borders, it will be. Mm. Is that a failure of the federal government not getting the right information out? Possibly, Clearly. yeah. 
what format as well mm. would be another they thing. Spend, you couldn't mm. put it on Facebook or Twitter either because it wouldn't be reliable. But they successfully mm. get a heap of money out to advertise the latest road that they've put money into. Mm. But also there's a like argument for complacency. I was reading, and I've forgotten which country now, um, that had lockdown successful to us and semi-elimination and so there was no rush on getting the vaccine and now they're headed back to community transmission style problems. Um, I think it was, ta- I was on Taiwan. Taiwan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there is just that of what's the hurry? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that was the uh, the figures on that. Now let's talk about um, about the UK and there was a by election in Hartlepool. 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 I would have said Hartlepool too. Yeah. <laughs> Hartlepool. Hartlepool. Yeah. English is a terrible. That's language. somewhere up north, is it, Joe? <laughs> it's your classic northeast constituency. You've been there? No. Would you like to go there? Said in a way of a, <laughs> of, of, of a disparaging, there's no way you'd catch me dead in Hartlepool. Hey, anything north of the channel is north to me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's a fishing town which became a Victorian shipbuilding city. All the industries closed in the 80s, after which the old town heart had been ripped out for a shopping centre in the 70s, and it's now dying too. <laughs> it sounds pretty bleak. Uh, during the Blair years, its MP was Peter Mandelson, the co-architect of New Labor, and after which the place voted 70% for leave. Leave wanting Brexit, to leave, yeah, leave, uh, leave, leave the, the EU, EU yeah. in favour of Brexit. It's been Labor for all but six years since 1945. Sounds like classic so Labor So it's the same now that it's now Conservative, is it? Yes. So it was part of the Red Wall, the sort of constituency that was um, that Labor could always count on. And in a by-election, it fell to the Conservatives, to Boris Johnson. Well, I think that's a, a big um, uh, notice to politicians that, that just because you're voting Liberal or Labor or left or right doesn't mean you're going to agree with them on every issue that comes up. Mm. Well, these are people who are struggling and they don't see Labor as supporting their poor working class aspirations at all and they feel they've been abandoned by the Labor Party is what's happened here. Well, lefties so, now seem to be, well, what, what does Morrison say, in a, in a city university type. Latte so, drinking yeah, university. Yeah, yeah. And, this, is and, the, this and is the whole shift. That's the Labor Party falling to the identity politics that the Conservatives push on us. Mm. Exactly. So the problem... Conservatives push on you? Well, oh, you're joking, John. The left invented identity politics. It's oh, never okay. pushed on them by the Conservatives. Um, let me rephrase it then. Mm. We're losing the identity politics battle. That, mm. That's what I think. To who? Well, to the Conservatives. The Conservatives aren't pushing identity politics. No, 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 no but no. they are using it. They're using it as a weapon against yeah, the left because they're right. saying, you crazy lefties, yeah. you're and into this identity politics. And they're absolutely right. And they are, yeah. So, um, but they're, but so they're you can't blame the Conservatives for identity politics. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm no. accusing them of being more successful at using it than we are. Yes. Well, hang they're, on. They're, they're was, on the right side of the argument yes. is essentially what's Ma- Martin Isles has just been uh, involved in his own identity politics, hasn't he? Yeah, as long as you're white, Christian and heterosexual, you're fine. Yeah. Anyone else, go away. Yeah. Did he say that? Well, 
Effectively. Really? Well, effectively, what, you know, Scott Morrison in that, in that thing where he was at that church was basically railing against identity politics. Yeah. Except if you were identifying as a Pentecostal Christian, in which I case it was think, perfectly a good I idea. I think you'd be very surprised, or, or not, because mm. we've been to one of these churches. Mm. They don't only attract white people, let me tell you. Mm. Correct. Full of... Um, all kinds of Lots people. of... Yes. All kinds but, but of But all migrants. heterosexual yeah. and all Christian. But, but he was, mm. you know, he... It's definitely a vote winner for the conservative parties to say, look at these crazy lefties with their... I, crazy identity politics, and mm. personally, I don't think the Labor Party in Australia has really had a lot to say in favour of identity politics, but they haven't actually come out against it either. Mm. So, um, so the right opinion. has had a lot of fun saying those crazy lefties, and mm. Labor's been pretty quiet about it without also saying, "Well, this is nonsense ideas." So, well, that's a very polite way of putting it, Trevor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they haven't. They gutless haven't, is what yeah, I would say. Yeah, say that absolutely as well. gutless. I'll, good. I'll will adopt that word, gutless. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead right. There we are. We agree on something there. The Labor Party in Australia has been gutless mm. in confronting it, and uh, mm. and so the Conservatives are making hay with that. So anyway, back to the UK. So. Uh, so basically, a seat that um, that was just rock solid Labor has fallen to the Conservatives. Of course, Labor now led by Sir Keir Starmer. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the Labor Party is a knight, a rock jawed establishment type, <laughs> and he kept a small target, announced no new program or direction, mm. and he lost Hartlepool. 15,000 to 8,000. Wow. However, um, the Labour Party had labelled all leavers, all, all, all Brexiteers, as racists. Yes. Deplorables. Mm. Yeah. It's the yeah. classic deplorables yep. again. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is the classic thing. So uh, Corbyn had won the seat twice, but the loss was blamed on Corbyn. <laughs> so um, in Hartlepool, Labor lost to a farmer, Jill Mortimer, who lives in Yorkshire uh, and can't explain the years she spent living in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> the candidate that the Labor dropped in, Dr. Sorry, Paul... Sorry, why should she explain it? Uh, people I, travel, people live in She, she was blackout drunk, that's why she can't explain it. <laughs> And she lost her return ticket because, they, yeah, because her image is, you know, the poor, poor farmer. But then, so what was she yeah, doing in the Cayman Islands? Oh, well, farmers you are would... not all poor necessarily, are they? Yeah, but that's not her image, is it? Her image isn't the Cayman Islands. That's yeah, but even working class people take overseas holidays. Yeah, so not you... the Cayman Islands. Why not? It sounds a bit pricey to me. It also sounds like a tax dodge. Mm. Oh, it's famous for probably tax, as a tax haven, but yes. I, I dare say there are, you know, yep. you know, working class accommodations on Cayman Islands, just as there would be for, for some the, for the workers. Some, <laughs> I was going to say, well, it's like Bali. It's like Bali. You go to Bali. Doesn't matter what your own personal income bracket is, you can mm. find some kind of accommodation to see. It's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. And it just says in this article that she couldn't explain the years she spent living in the Cayman Islands. She, was she, she actually wasn't, in the Cayman Islands she didn't or was that her She didn't put address? up a story that she was cleaning rooms and living in a hostel. You know. so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> the candidate that the Labor Party dropped in, Dr. Paul Williams, was a medical consultant who had advised closing down half the city's hospital, which was what Labor had, was attacking the Tories over. He was not only a Remainer, he led the campaign for a second referendum. So the Labor Party just That's dropped why in. That's they lost. Just, it's they obvious. Lo- yes, despite everything else. Exactly. They're Up just, here for thinking. They just, eh, abandoned, just abandoned their constituency. Gosh. Which just seems to me to be the same as here, that the, that the political wing has lost contact with... You have to move forward to that microphone. Yep. It, 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 I think the political wing, same as here, has lost contact with, with everybody else, essentially, mm. that, that even the, just the members. You know, mm. you're going to be able to... Like, yeah, local representatives come in and do their meetings, you know, the report to the meeting, and then it's like, see you later. They don't listen to general business. Right. Mm. Is really? that, yeah, so they, they don't sit down and say, so, guys, nice what? to see you again. How are we What's going? What's on your mind? No, no, you know, well, I haven't seen that so, yet. So they come to a meeting and they don't <laughs> stay for the whole meeting? No, yeah. most of the time, no. Oh. This is the local political mm. candidate. Uh, yeah, state, or, or uh, state mainly, yeah. It's a bit of a worry. They, they come for the beginning like it. and then they disappear. Yeah, they come here and I'll they'll listen to the reports, you know, the branch reports, or if we go to a branch, then just our reports. Oh, and then um, usually, not always, like 50-50, I'll say, I'll say that. Right. But I know the last um, state meeting I went to, the local member came in, did a report, and then gone. Right. Wow. Yeah. Not okay. confident in yeah. inspiring, is it? You have to tell no, me. No, it's not. Not at all. It may come as a surprise to your listener, but I am a member of the Labor Party. <laughs> And and you have been to tell me. Yet. No, I haven't been. You have to tell me which which branch I should I go think to. Ashgrove's the one for you. Right. Okay. They're a good bunch. You've got a okay. promise, Trevor. If you do attend yeah. a meeting, you'll stay for the whole meeting. Yes. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, <laughs> I looked at the list, and that's on a Wednesday night, which is when I play my squash. But anyway, oh, just, okay. You know, well, I'll I haven't you, checked I, out the gap yet, so yeah. why don't? Yeah. Okay, but the gap the gap meets at Ashgrove. At, we'll talk about it oh, later. Oh yeah. People anyway. don't want to hear this. Squash is important. So yeah. It is, mm. yes. Yeah. I, um, I fully support you playing squash. Mm. Combine you. the two. Yes. Uh, <laughs> should meet at the squash courts. I could, yeah. If I become local president, I could change the venue. That's right. You can make a point. Change the date. You can make a point during a full Are we branch stacking? <laughs> yes. They would we, have a We've got to start branch stacking to get <laughs> Shay in for next time. Any Iron Fist velvet, velvet Glove listeners in the Ryan electorate, please reach out to us. Um, so that we can stack a particular branch. I can make this my postal address. Is that legal? No. Just kidding. Just Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Exactly. This episode will have to be erased. It will have to be. For sure. Definitely. We're really getting into trouble now. Um, And for those worried, my coughing is asthma too. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. COVID free. Okay. Um... Anyway, Tony Blair came out, and I think you shared this article. I did, yes. Mm. You liked his article? Or I thought you... it was interesting. I like, it's not a matter of liking mm. or not liking it. I just thought it was interesting that he's popped his head up again. But more interesting was what he said about the British Labor Party. Mm. Mm. So he was basically saying progressive politics is facing extinction. And um, he said... Progressives cling to an old-fashioned economic message and have fundamentally misunderstood the political implications of technological change, he wrote. This is combined with a new fashion social and cultural message around extreme identity and anti-police politics, which for large swaths 
swathes, swathes. swathes of people is voter repellent. Defund the police may be the left's most damaging political slogan since the dictatorship of the proletariat. The right know they're onto something on cultural issues and they are reveling in it. So, um, um, so anyway, he came out and said that. Um, so I think he's right about the identity politics thing. I think he's wrong about technological change. What do you think he meant by that? Because I'm, I'm not really clear on what exactly he was getting at. Social if everyone, media? If everyone gets educated and gets a smart job, they'll be fine. But mm. there aren't smart jobs for everyone. And if everybody has a university education, of course, yeah. the value of a university education is a little bit diminished usually. That's right. Can't it's, all it's, a lot, it's a lot diminished. I, mm. I know heaps of people have been through the university mm. and they don't have jobs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Or, they're, or they're not working in anywhere near the industry. Mm. Right. All this crazy um, wokeness, is it happening in Australia? And Paul, uh, students at a Melbourne high school were shocked after they were made to stand up and be publicly publicly humiliated for being white Christian males. So this social worker came into the school and during the presentation, the social worker is alleged to have asked for the boys who were straight, white and Christian to stand up in front of their peers. They were then told that they were responsible for being oppressors because of their privilege. This is a... Public high school, isn't it? Melbourne High Secondary School. Secondary college. It's sound. It's a, it's a term they've used in Queensland now as well for public. Some public high schools. So I'd, I'm not sure about Victoria, but it sounds like it's a public high school. Parkdale Secondary College. Anyone in Victoria, uh, or anyone with a Google handy, and tell us if that's a public or private school. Seems a bit of an assumption that they're all Christian too, doesn't it? No, he was asking them to stand up. If you are white and if you are straight and if you are Christian, stand up. Oh, you're, you're, you're the, they, you're, they could have specifically four boys said yeah, we're not yeah. Christian. who so. identified with those. Um, and, and, How and, do you know and, the social worker's male? Identifiers. Um, uh, it could, it maybe not. Good point. It could have been female. Mm. Not sure. A little excerpt I've got here. Uh, Alison says it's public. Thanks, Alison. Okay. Mm. Oh, okay. So uh, that's that. Just it's a bit to... shocking, isn't it, really? Yeah. Bit More of a... than a bit. Is that the yeah. second one or the same one as before? I think this is new. The second one. This is new. Because there was already week. some backlash from somebody doing this to school kids before. Was, wasn't there? Mm. So, I don't know. Anyway, it's all very strange. It sounds like a little struggle session was taking place there. <laughs> so it does happen. But anyway. It sounds like a bit like the communist... Um, uh, you know, you've got to stand up and admit yeah. to your own sins That's right. kind of thing. Make them well. up if you, if you haven't, yeah, submit yourself. Um, Jared Hayne, famous footballer, previously a very, very, very good footballer. Very, very good. He was yeah. one of the best. Indeed. He? he was uh, an amazing athlete. Turns out he's a rapist as well, turns subject out. to an appeal. But, um, so, but he's a Christian. Yes. <laughs> so there's that. Yes. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> well, that'll yeah. be all right. He'll um, confess and he'll still get to go to heaven, won't so, he? Did he pay his 50 shekels and marry her? Mm. So in this. Well, that's a good point, Joe. Yeah, yeah, maybe he should have been given the opportunity to marry them. Mm. Here's an article <laughs> I came across. There's a. The Cavern Club in Liverpool has a wall of fame with a brick dedicated to each of the amazing artists who have played in the venue over the years. So 
the likes of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Chuck Berry and Queen, etc. I've all got a brick if they played in this place. And um, it Can we do to, that here? We, we should. We've got plenty of wall space. Yeah, I just need some. Yes. <laughs> well, the point is they have a brick until they do something abominable. <laughs> <laughs> and then their name gets wiped off. So... So yes, Paul, we could put your name up here, and then and then at a later stage, if you um, if you sully your reputation bad enough, we might have to erase you off the wall. So, oh well, yeah. But anyway, I'll take that risk. Uh, in this club, uh, Gary Glitter and Jonathan King had their bricks removed, and both of them were involved in, I think, criminal mm. offences. Child Glitter. sex offences. Yeah, yeah, pretty ugly. Gary Glitter certainly was. Yeah, and um, so instead. There was like a plaque put on their brick, which said sort of two performers who played at the Cavern Club have had their bricks removed, Gary Glitter and Jonathan King. Why would you put a plaque up? Well, because because the actual owners of the club had been under pressure about removing the brick and they were like, do we really have to? Okay, we'll remove the brick, but we'll put a plaque up because they actually didn't like the idea of of removing the bricks, of removing the names. They were kind of, and they knew it was sort of um, <coughs> poke a bit of fun back at these people who were demanding that they remove oh. the bricks. So instead of removing, so they removed the brick, but they put a plaque up instead and said, "There you are, stuff you." Because they and then they still was... wanted to record that these mm. people had yeah. actually. Performed here. Performed it, yeah. And Gary Glitter's name has been defaced subsequently. Yes, somebody's sort of. But not Jonathan King. Who's Jonathan King? I don't know. Um, Not as well known, probably. Yeah. But the writer of this article is saying that he was thinking of that plaque as he contemplates Jared Hayne. It's a long run up, but we're back to John Mm. Jared Hayne. Because there's talk now about, because he's been found guilty of, of this rape, that. They're thinking of stripping Hayne of his Dally M award or awards. Not sure how many he had, but um, he had several apparently. Yeah. So, Jonathan King was a singer-songwriter, record producer who was convicted of child sexual abuse in two thousand and one. There you go. Thank you. So, um, so apparently, they're thinking about stripping, sort of, Jared Hayne's name from. The various awards that he has won over time. I can't. Who is thinking? Well, the rugby league. Uh, so Peter Volandi is in charge of the NRL, and he so said the management of the NRL. He said on Two GB last Friday, "quote There will be consideration given, and the commission's already discussed stripping Hayne of his Dalliums." But but surely they that wouldn't stand up if he decided to take him to court because under the rules of that Dally M, it's the best and fairest on the field. What, Good you point. know, how can you say something back then that you did off the field has affected what he did on the field? I agree 100%. <laughs> really? Yes. Trevor agrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I don't think um, it's, it's they, they go down this path, but you can't. Um, with anything, you can't. Any, any person of note that you like for whatever reason, acting, sporting, whatever, don't look too far into their personal life. You're always going to be disappointed because they're not you. You're not friends with them. Mm. You, but as you, you said, the, the two yeah. events were unrelated. Mm. They were, yeah. I, I can understand when they get into trouble these days with their code of conduct and that. Mm. 
On-field conduct. Uh, On-field, but even off-field, because oh, like, the way yeah. the way it's done these days is they get contracted to the league, and they have they've got certain parameters. You know mm. what I mean? They're yeah. not. So they can't um, go out and get wasted on the weekend and... Oh, yeah, they can, but they, you know what I mean, they're, they're not supposed to bring the game into this. That's right, like get because, wasted, get into fights. Well, true, you yeah, know. yeah. The, so your conduct can affect your future employment. Yes. But yeah, because having, was, having yeah. won a bunch of awards and then five years later being found guilty of all sorts of atrocities, yeah, at the end was, of the day you were still the winner of... Well, yeah. he, he had a bunch of them. So he had two Dallyms. He was 2006 uh, Rookie of the Year and Winger of the Year in 2007, and he was Fullback of the Year, and he was the Representative Player of the Year, and he was the top try scorer. And, I mean, if you're going to start stripping away his awards, there's going to be uh, yeah, a whole yeah, bunch of awards that. with just uh, an asterisk yeah, would you, against would you various... Do it if, 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 if Takes. Neil Armstrong had done something mm. dodgy in the later in his life, yes. were they going to take his first pole to the moon off him? Like, That's yeah. right. Yes. He first didn't really the... land on the moon. No. Yeah. Well, well, well you... yes, who landed on the moon? And, no, it and, wasn't and, Neil well, Armstrong. Was, yeah, just, Couldn't have been just an he was a bad person. Just an asterisk. In a wasn't there a, a science fiction author, mm. um, American? Oh, I, don't know, I can't remember. A really That's famous right. one that won lots of awards. Uh, Asimov or... <laughs> Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke, yeah. Um, and he took off to Sri Lanka. Know, Sri yes, Lanka. Yeah. So he wouldn't get caught. Yeah. Um, but nobody was talking about taking his books is off he, shelves is he dead? a year later. He is dead. Oh, yeah. He's dead, yeah. And okay. uh, the allegations were never proven. Yeah. Okay, just provide he's dead because I didn't the allegations. Get, I just didn't want a defamation oh. claim against us, so that's <laughs> no, okay. Well, the, the, the allegations were pedophilia, but it's on record if you look him up. Yeah, so the, 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 the was, British tabloids was, accused him of it. Oh, just, yeah, but he was full on about admitting to, um, you know, blaming parents for offering their kids up and all sorts of things. So okay, just, he wasn't shy. Just for future reference, if you're about to claim somebody as a pedophile... They're either dead or you've got a definite conviction that you know of, okay? Oh, Just, okay. Yeah, yep. we sometimes have a bit of a... So this is not a pub then? We have is a pre talk. We have a pre talk. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the pre-podcast warming about, don't defame anybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, yes. The, the Wikipedia article has quite a lot of information on it. About? Mm. Uh, the fact that he was gay, he lived with a lover, right. but the lover was overage and... Right. Arthur uh, C. Clarke you're talking about? Yeah. Then? Mm. A, a lot of the a, a lot of allegations <laughs> were made, and uh, nobody could prove anything. Mm. But the, but the point was, all these allegations flew around. But his books, no one was talking about taking his books off. Because oh, give them not, time, right? Well, maybe they're trying to take um, Doctor <laughs> Zeus off, aren't they? Well, well that's yeah. J.K. Rowling as well. But anyway, yeah. so um, now this is Mockingbird. so Jared Hayne, of course, is different to the Melbourne Storm. So the Melbourne Storm was stripped of their premierships because they had cheated on the salary cap. Yeah. So that makes sense that you can retrospectively say, hang on a minute, mm. the reason you won well, you is because you had players who were salaries totaled yeah. above the salary cap. So you can go back for that and say, that's relevant, we're mm. stripping you of the title. But it's a punishment of the club rather than individual players and mm -hmm. I dare say I mean if you were in that winning team you would still feel like you had won wouldn't of, you? Of course you would but do you yeah. agree with that decision to strip the Melbourne uh, Storm because they've breached the salary cap? cap. I, don't, I don't know enough about how they organise those things to really right. have a strong opinion the, on it. They, they went right over the top. 
But I agree with you, Trevor, that, you know, taking away people's awards won, you know, legitimately years ago because of what they <coughs> did criminal or otherwise later in life is absurd. It's mm. trying to rewrite history mm. and it's virtue signalling yep. big time, isn't it? Yep. So the difference between Jared Hayne though and the Melbourne Storm is that Melbourne Storm's victory was not legitimate because they had cheated. That's, that's right. Yep. I, I think there was a similar thing happening in baseball in America where they discovered cheating um, to do with um, the cheating, though, constituted overpaying the players, though, yeah. didn't it? The same yeah, thing yes. with the Perth A-League team about mm. uh, five years ago. Mm. They, they, they paid well over their salary cap mm. and they got... Um, Stripped of a premiership or something? No, because uh, they hadn't won a premiership. No. Um, I think they lost points and they had financial fines and yep. a few different other things that yep. went on. But, but they broke the rules. Yeah. So there was rules in place, they broke them. So mm. a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the SAS and their unit citation, mm. and we had a big argument. We did, as we, <laughs> as we sometimes do. And I was – so, dear listener, for those who weren't listening to that argument, it was that uh, I was arguing that it was a unit citation to the whole SAS unit for well done, chaps, for your endeavours in Afghanistan. Mm. Meanwhile, a bunch of – more than just one, but quite a number of – People have been. Any idea out. how many were implicated? Dozen, twenty, something like that. Okay. Um, and how many would have been in that served in that unit? Do you think all of them were SAS? Yes, but how many? It's about a hundred, oh, I believe. Oh, overall, yeah. oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't um, know. Anyway, in my mind, it was a significant number. But I was happy for the unit citation to be taken away because. It was really a citation for the unit rather than an individual. Mm. And we're really saying, you as a unit, your culture's shit. You're actually not what we thought you were. Therefore, we're taking this medal off you. And you had an opposite opinion. But um, what about this one, Paul? When you've got the Olympics, say, a swimming relay team and they win a gold medal and it turns out that one of years them later, was a drug cheat. Indeed. <coughs> one of them was a drug cheat. And so they then strip the team of the gold medal, all of them. I don't think it's comparable, to be honest, because in a team event, every member of that single event makes a contribution. So if you've got one cheat, then obviously that's going to influ influence the outcome. In a group of soldiers, they're not all misbehaving. You know, they're not all doing bad things. In the in the relay team, they weren't all misbehaving. Three no, of no, them, no. three of them were clean. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the in the unit, the soldiers are doing their job individually as as a part of a unit, but they're still working individually. So is the swimmer. Uh, I don't think so. I I mean, I you know, the unit of of the the military unit is still doing potentially good work, you know, whereas the swimmers, you know, they can't win that gold medal without every single contribution in the, uh, in the relay team. Anyway, I thought it was can a good I, analogy. Can I, I, can I, I think put a bit one. of a halfway in? I, I, oh, yes. I think, I, I think I might be somewhere in, in between here. What? There's no halfway on this one. <laughs> oh, okay. There is, there is no, right valid, half, there's no <laughs> valid halfway position on this. 
I'm not sure what you mean about... You can the, be halfway, John. Just be closer unit. to the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. Don't I'm not sure what you mean about the, the unit. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm not sure you mean about the, the unit, Paul, Paul but I certainly disagreed with taking the medal off every person that went over there. I think that's what they were doing at first, weren't they? No, it was a whole, it, it, just it, one unit. It was the unit citation was being taken off everyone in the unit. Off the SAS. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because several members of the unit had yeah. allegedly... But we're on kind of half ways that they're not saying that every unit of the SES that went over there no, had not every, members. No, yeah. not every So I think the units that actually had the members accused in there... Um, I think it, it relates to the to the relay okay, train. Okay, so if there was there, a year where there wasn't a a uh, an unauthorized killing, then yeah. the unit gets to keep it that year. I, yeah, I think so. I think I think where it relates to the there is to, a halfway point. Swimming, I'm with you on that. Yeah, to your swimming <laughs> analogy, the the units, those SAS units are, are quite small, aren't they? But it's it stigmatizes kind of, every good soldier in that unit. Yeah, but I've seen from that four it corners, it stains them. As a well, member of this no, no, it doesn't. murderous the, the, unit. The, the, the drug oh, conviction right. on swimmer number three doesn't stain swimmers one, two and four. Well, the swimmers would know that they're clean. But, you know, in public, I think this, it would be a terrible disgrace for the soldiers to be stained with but that. But I, I watched that Four Corners things and it was well known within the soldiers of that unit what was going on. It may well have been. To which, so why didn't they pop up and say something? And in oh. which case... In which case, because they didn't say something, yeah, take it off them. What, because, the, 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 the because, because like Witness K, they end up in a trial in Canberra oh, yes. where they are. I, I understand that yeah. bit, but but behaviour you accept by just not saying I think it's something. a little bit different when you're in the military and you're on the combat field. You don't sort of stand up and start arguing with your... Mm. No, but your in the, fellows in but the unit. in that Four Corners, did you watch that Four Corners no, episode? No, they had um, uh, chess cams of, of the soldiers, yeah, you know, like yeah. the police have got, yeah. and they got recordings of two soldiers in, in several occasions talking about. I did see what some somebody, video yeah, that was allegedly about, of the murder of a, a young man in a field. Yes. Yeah, well, that's these soldiers, I think, talking about what was going on. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure if they're talking about that specifically, but. Either way, within that unit, they all knew about it, including senior officers. And so for me, yeah, including the senior officers, take their unit citation off them because they all knew what was going on and didn't do anything about it. Yeah, if you get the rest of the army or the next I, unit comes in and doesn't misbehave. I just wonder if it's that easy for an, an individual soldier to stand up and, and you know, criticise other soldiers yeah. in the same unit. Oh, I'm not saying, no, but they didn't have to do that, though. And I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. They they could have and and did report to immediate officers who didn't do anything about it. Mm. So then, yes, like you're saying, it's hard. It's not easy. So very, for, very for me, the, the the officers are born to blame. Like that one with the shooting in the paddock. The the soldier that was doing the shooting turned to his senior officer and said, "Should I kill him?" Mm. Or not saying so many words. And what did the officer do? He didn't say anything. And then the guy shot him and then just walked off. He, he might have motioned to him with some sort of signal. He might have, he might have not. But the point was when he asked his senior officer, should I shoot him, he should have said no. Mm, I agree. So for me, he's as guilty as the guy who shot him. Okay, so and just to clarify, your position is that if there was um, misdemeanour, that's not a good word, but if there was a war crime, uh, if there was a period when there was no war crimes, then they could get their unit citation 
But if it was a period when there were war crimes, then the, nobody in the unit gets their citation. Yeah, within that unit. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, just moving on very quickly, I just uh, we've kept Shay off the Shark Tank yet again. Thank you, Landon. Yes, <laughs> but I just I just came across this thought the other day, Paul, about China mm-hmm. and uh, and what we're selling to them. We're selling lots of iron ore, mm. and uh, I was thinking about Pig Iron Bob, mm. Bob Menzies. Yep. So, dear listener, you know that the Wharfies basically went on strike to stop. Um, pig iron being sold to Japan because they figured uh, the way things are shaping up, this is going to end up as shells and artillery and tanks and aeroplanes that are going to be used against us. And Bob Menzies, who was Attorney General at the time, was like, you get back to work and load it up, ship it over there. And he was given the nickname Pig Iron Bob. So just wondering, Paul, with your strong anti-China position, anti-communist China, please. Yep. I'm not anti-China. Anti-CCP. <laughs> with your strong anti-CCP position, mm-hmm. should Australia be selling iron ore to China? It's a good question. I don't have a strong opinion either way, but I suspect that. If Australia didn't sell it to them, I guess they would find other people who would sell it to them. What do you think? I don't know. So, are, in other words, are we morally implicated in selling iron to chi- to communist China, if, if you which are, then uses them for bad purposes? If, if you think there's a strong risk of conflict with China down the track, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just would have thought you would be pretty much against selling them iron mm. now. Not it, necessarily. It, did you support the sort of Warfies strike? I wasn't of alive big, in 1938. No, 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 but as, no, but as you think about it now, do you think when you think about it now, do you think actually it was a good work by the Warfies to stop that? I hadn't. I haven't really given it any thought. Okay. Was, was that? Could I, the, <coughs> sorry, the one mm. in thirty-eight. Mm. Um. In the lead up, the Americans actually stopped sending their recycled and pig iron to Japan. That was one of the reasons that led up to um, Pearl Harbor. Right. And if Menzies was selling iron to them, surely that's not reading the tea leaves. Tea leaves too good. The American, reading the biggest, room. Yeah, well, I, suppose, I was going to say your biggest ally, but in thirty-eight, America wasn't our ally, were they? Well, well, they were an ally, but they, but p- they perhaps weren't. weren't formally in no, a it took, took curtain military the war, agreement so. with us. <laughs> Yeah. Switch sides. Anyway, I find that interesting, Paul. Whether you, I just wanted to know whether you were uh, um, in mm. favour of of that or not, because I thought it might be a tricky one for you. I think if we were selling uh, technology, is probably uh, uh, more to the point. If we were selling high technology to the communist Chinese, that could very well be used not only in weapons but to oppress their own people. You know, like surveillance technology, which I, I think I read somewhere that some of the um, surveillance te- technology that they now use all over China, um, there is a link with some Australian university, there I think, somewhere. Link, yeah. yeah. So that, that I would be more uh, cautious about, yeah, that sort of thing. Right. Rather so, than just so at this stage, raw materials. Keep selling the iron. If it ends up in an well, artillery <laughs> shell that lands on one of our chaps, well, sorry about that. Yeah, I think, or it ends up I, as an aircraft carrier I think that's in the South China the Sea. Line. So yeah. just, just no, happy to let that go. Okay. 
All right. It's a raw material, <coughs> yeah. and Which they use it for other things So is uranium, yeah. though. Yeah. And we don't sell uranium to countries that haven't signed the Non-Proliferation Treaty. Mm. Well, we Do we sell, sell uranium at all? Now, right? And they no, haven't signed it. <laughs> but they but they're our friends. Right. China may not be able to keep buying off us too much longer. Did you get mm. my? Did you look into that story I sent you about their population issues? Yeah, I did have a glance at it. I think which basically China's got a massive problem with a very with the aging oh, population, huge. the imbalance yeah. in the population. Yeah. Is, there's there's predictions. I can't remember whether it's the next twenty years or thirty, but they're worried about halving their population. Oh, be- oh, that's because, a fair way down the track. No, no, I don't think it's that far. There because by twenty. No, it's already like 30. 1.4 something billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, it doesn't just melt away but, in 10 no, years. No, but their birth rate is only 0.5 of a percent. And by, I think it was 2040, they're over, what was the text I sent to you? It's over 65, so we're going to be something like 35 or 40% of the population yeah, in yeah. the next 20 years. There's a ratio, isn't there, of uh, yeah. adult Tax-paying, you know, working adults and uh-huh. retired people. But they're talking about their population just falling off a cliff. Yeah, the, the, well, the and ratio is yeah. changing rapidly. Yeah. I know they're really worried about it, so, yeah, mm. which, which has a big effect on their economy. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading a book about the misuse of stats and they were talking about um, the baby boomers <laughs> retiring and everyone freaking out about that and saying people forget that there's the other end of the age spectrum who also don't pay tax and need to be supported uh, and... Although you've got an ageing population at one end, you've got that boom at one end, you don't have the boom at the other end. So you've got rid of the children that historically were looked after by the taxpayers, and now what were the children have become the uh, pensioners. Mm-hmm. So effectively, the ratio to non-earners versus earners remains roughly the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay. So we don't have to worry. (laughs) Well, I was saying it's less of an imbalance than everyone thinks. In in Australia, provided they own property, they're going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Aaron in the chat room said, 12th, how do you feel about the surveillance in the UK? A lot of surveillance in the UK. It's all okay, though. Is it? Well, that's what Aaron's asking. Do you think it's okay? Aaron's asking you how you feel about it. I'm not comfortable with lots and lots of... Mm. Public surveillance, to be honest. Mm. Are you? Am I comfortable with uh, having in, in public, cameras everywhere in public streets? Um, I can understand I, in okay certain with, locations. I'm okay with like public streets, places that are often robbed, like service stations mm. and other places that are often robbed. You mm. can sort of understand it. Maybe public malls like Queen Street Mall. Mm. I don't know. Um, I know the police find it very useful for tracking down criminals, and mm. I can understand they have a and dissidents. pretty good mm. case. Then mm. the subversives, look out. But <laughs> what, what worries me is what's happening in China now, which is where they're using uh, all kinds of technology to identify people everywhere they go mm. and keep tabs on everything they do. They're, they're they doing do. that here, Paul. Yeah. 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 I, I know police officers told me that I've been told about um, all the states uh, have got in the cars, the number plate oh, yeah. recognition. And every time a car's driving around, a highway patrol or whatever, it's taking pictures oh, I know of that. every yeah. number plate, where it is and what it's Whether doing. Whether it's registered, who it's registered to. Uh, we were I, talking about it earlier. Domicile yeah. of the registered I owner. I was going to say, I don't have a problem with um, the automation of real time. It's the historical tracking of that. Mm. 
Um, it's the um, TransLink and the road tolls get subpoenaed on a regular basis for criminal investigations, but they, you don't need to keep, for billing information, five years' worth of your road tolls. You don't need to keep five <laughs> years' worth of <laughs> your train trips. Yeah. And, and that starts becoming a huge amount of information that's stored on you. Mm. And at the moment, the police state, or the, the, the police are relatively benign. But there have been times in the past where they haven't been benign. Mm. And the future and, we don't know about. And, and, and I think we need to have limits around the retention of this information. Mm. Um, because uh, storage is becoming cheaper and cheaper. Mm. And people won't throw information away because storage is cheap. Mm. Your Moore's, need, Moore's Law is still going. Yeah, yeah. so we need to be yeah. putting uh, limits in place, yeah. saying those things that happened 20 years ago... So. Oh, such and such now is running for parliament. Oh, wonder if he went to the brothel at Strathpine. We'll just look up the, <laughs> the CCTV footage. I wonder and, if uh, he was just, ever on the Iron Fist podcast. <laughs> Some poor bugger's got to scroll through all of the all of the evidence and listen to three hundred episodes. Oh, can you imagine? Before I go back to the start, you come up and you go through all the information about a politician. I agree with what you're saying about the storage of information. But a politician can get around that by, did you visit that brothel? I said, well, yeah, I did. Yeah. He goes, well, what did you do there? Well, what do you think I did there? Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, that's then, the other thing. And then yeah. surely the conversation, yeah. that's the end yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. But unless, don't you think... Unless they're appealing to a Christian constituency. Well, it's not no, only well, that's Christians. Own problem then. Yeah. I, I would make the point, it's not only Christians. It seems to me politics in general has become highly moralistic. Mm. Mm. Too. I, I mean, whether you're religious or, or purely secular... I mean, particularly left-wing when, politics has become... But when was the last, when was the last politician to pay a price for a moral failing? Oh, yeah. Uh, New know. South Wales opposition leader. What did he do? He put his hand down the... Luke Foley. Yeah, down the clo- inside the clothing of a female mm. ABC reporter. Was she consenting? Can I say that on the podcast? It's, it's, it's... Okay, but that was an assault then. Yes. It wasn't... Mm. It wasn't well, so that okay. wasn't moralistic. What about them? Um, that's that's beyond morals. That's like when was somebody in trouble for sleeping around on their, you know, or or doing something that wasn't illegal but was morally questionable? Well, Foley didn't, didn't do Wales. anything illegal. If he accident, put his hand down he? somebody's dress, no, no, there was one in New South Wales. I don't Wales. think he was charged with any criminal. It doesn't offense. matter. I think people mm. get away with all sorts yeah. of stuff now. Well, what? if it had yeah. been illegal. I, I imagine the ABC reporter might have pressed charges. But she may decide not to. She wasn't ABC, I don't think. Huh? She wasn't ABC, I don't think. I think she if, was. Was she? Yeah. If, if it was without consent, he put his hands into her clothes, that's, that's illegal. It's a well, sexual assault. Well, she, I, I guess she would then have to take it to court. But my point is... Maybe she didn't my, want my, to my do My point that, is but, the sort of thing where people used to maybe get in trouble because... They were sleeping with their yeah, secretary. Right. Yeah, or, someone's just brought up Barnaby, and that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, it probably right. wasn't I, the best example I, to bring up, I agree. I, and maybe Barnaby Joyce. I Barnaby Joyce. But I, can't, I can't, see, but I can't see the point of all these politicians from both sides of politics putting themselves up as moralistically high because most of the population aren't at that holier-than-now level. Mm. So everything I see from Labor or Liberal at the top, as soon as they get a bit... Holier than now. I'm not. I don't believe a word they're saying. Well, you mightn't, but some people you do. You don't think yeah. the general tone these days is very moralising? 
I do, but I don't see the point to it because I don't think the general population care care, mm. or they just look at it and just don't believe them, basically. There's a, a French comedy which is set in the 1960s, set in the French Secret Service, and the CIA are in there talking about Kennedy and the, and the next Kennedy's are shooing for the next election, but it's all right, the CIA have material on him, he's not going to win. And so the French secret agents say, so what have you got? And they go, well, he, he's into women. And the French look at him and just go, yes, he's into women a lot. Right. And the French are just going, and? Yeah, yeah what's wrong with the politician yeah. being into a, women? He's got a mistress. Just one. <laughs> oh, in France, uh, yeah. it's almost a... Uh, uh, Expected. A, 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 yes. Yeah, it's a pride thing. Oh, yeah, I've got a girlfriend, you know. Mm. Hey, we better finish up because uh, Shay has to get home. Mm. Turns into a pumpkin, and, uh, <laughs> and we're at, we're near. You've taken on Scott's um, mantle, then. Indeed. Hello to Scott out there, by the way. Um, he he's said he's got, not listening tonight. No, he's doing oh. some accountancy CPD thing. Something, something boring. Like yeah, yeah, Scott. Anyway, he'll listen to this tomorrow. He's he will. at the yeah. gym. Or is he somewhere. is he coming back on the show at all? You think? Um, maybe. Maybe. We've just got to. I don't know, Scott. What's your what's your internet like up there? Anyway, <laughs> we'd love to anyway, see him back. Mate, I'm thinking in between our panel discussions because we're doing these every second week now. So yeah, I might do another book review or throw in Scott in between or something like that, depending on what happens. So mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, we will be back in two weeks. John, two you weeks. won't. Yes, it's every second week now. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. second. That's. I it's a recent. You've got to listen more carefully. Recent to these developments. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm not on Facebook. That's yeah. half the problem. So, um, uh. oh, there you go. So, anyway, every two weeks, um, I'll be back then. You won't be, John, but thank you. And thank you, Kay, for being in our live audience. Yes. That's the first. We had, do a, do have we, we do had a, a live audience? Applause? No, we've never had a live audience before. Do you, did you want applause? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it, but there's applause there. For oh, you. is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. No, well, okay. Done. Too late. Oh, too, too late. late. Okay. Uh, goodbye from me. Good night. Good night, everyone. Oop, and it's a good night from him. Bye. For coming in at such short notice, I thought the best way to proceed was to get everyone in the one room. Good thinking. Okay, you're all right. I'll come straight to the point. This white paper is recommending we spend close to $400 billion over the forward estimates. Now, at some point, the PM is going to be asked a very simple question. In order to protect us from which enemy? Hmm. It's so hard to say. 400 billion, pick one. A regional player. Specifically, Colonel. An Indo-Pacific regional player. More specifically? Indo-Asia-Pacific. That's broader. Who are you leaving out? Europe? Yeah, I sort of need a country. Or an unaligned player. No, a country. One that might threaten us. Just one. Yeah. I wouldn't want to raise tensions. Where? In this room. You know what? I'll name one and you just nod. China. Yeah. Okay. And what exactly are we protecting? Strategic interests. Specifically, Colonel. Indo-Pacific strategic Again, interests. Again, really specifically. Indo-Asia-Pacific yeah. strategic interests. You know what? Interests. I'll say it and then you nod. Our trade routes. Yeah. And who is our number one trading partner? Shall we use an odd system? Sure. China? So under this scenario, we're spending close to $30 billion a year to protect our trade with China from China. And that doesn't strike anyone at this table as odd. Well, dear listener, 
Did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.